0: today's guest is linda letterman she is the organizer of balabusta secret which entails her kitchen confidence coaching helping busy moms with kitchen organization meal planning cooking lessons and serving weekday dinners with side dishes of games and clever conversations with their family she identifies the importance of a family mealtime as well as providing personal well-being for one's family's health communication, school, and social skills. Give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Linda Letterman. Hello, hello, good Hello, afternoon. hello. First off, your website page is called Balabusta. Yes. And you said it's identified as a Yiddish word. Now, do you yourself speak Yiddish?
1: I don't speak Yiddish, but my father was... Um, an immigrant from one of the last boats out of Poland before Hitler invaded. Okay. And so when I was little, he would speak to my grandparents in Yiddish all the time because he came over here when he was about 12 and um, his parents, my grandparents learned English, but for a very long time, they were very comfortable speaking in Yiddish. And so it wasn't until I got older that they were more comfortable speaking in English. So I heard it. I could understand some things, um, it sounded mostly gibberish to me, but <laughs> it's a very expressive language. To me, if I'm able to watch a
0: um, I can't it's not even a, consider a foreign film. But the point is, this is non-English TV series. Um, but the point is that I enjoy dibbing and dabbling in different types of languages, different types of culture, because it expands my knowledge and understanding and and respecting other people, um, how they were brought up, their traditional ways. This is my way of extending globally, you know. And and
1: I can do that through food because I explore all different kinds of cuisines because that's also to some extent a dying art. And when I, I, I used to travel extensively and nothing would depress me more than going to explore a local culture in some country And people are wearing American T-shirts and they would rather go to McDonald's and celebrate the foods that they're known for. So I I appreciate that concept in a very different way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Specifically on food. I mean, how can you not go wrong with something that has love in it? I mean, and the point is that uh, you've put that into your programs and your website and I wanted to hit on some of the questions just to kind of get to know you personally as well. I know the listeners would just dine and know more about who you are and what you do. So let's get to it. Um, Do you remember the moment when the light switch went on and you said yeah this is what I want to do in regards to your life and career?
1: I actually do have an aha moment and I can share that with you. I started off as a terrible cook when I was younger. I mean, really, really bad. My, I used to tell my mom she was really boring, and so she said, "Okay, smarty, you're gonna cook." And she bought me the Joy of Cooking, which is a huge, huge cookbook. And she said, "Once a week, you're gonna cook. You have to tell me what the ingredients are that you need. I'll buy them. You cook." Well, you know, I was a cocky young kid, so I first off the bat, I said, "I'll make Swedish meatballs." I know nothing about Swedish meatballs, (laughs) and I have to tell you, this cookbook had no pictures. I had no guidance. I had no idea what I was doing. The meal was horrible. Horrible. The second week, I wanted to make Vito Cordon Bleu. No idea what it was. Couldn't pronounce it. Made it horrible. My family had an intervention and said, you're not allowed to cook anymore. You are terrible. And I'm not one to be defeated. And and we had a lot of fun at our family table. I mean, they joked about it. They weren't being mean, but I really was banned from cooking. So I took it as a challenge. And I started buying cookbooks and reading about food and reading about cooking. I started taking cooking classes. I'm a lawyer by profession. So research is, I guess, in my blood. And I started researching and doing better. As I got older and I started growing a family, I would be making these wonderful meals, I got to be very good at cooking, make these wonderful meals for my kids, easy, but delicious. And they would have their friends over for a sleepover or after activities. And we'd be sitting at the table, we'd be having dinner, we'd be playing games at the table and laughing. And their friends would say, my mother doesn't do this. Mm. We don't sit down to family meals like this. We don't have fun at the table. Can you teach them? Mm. And it's like, out of the mouth of babes, because sit down family meals are so important. You know, the research shows that kids who sit down to a family meal, and it doesn't have to be every day, but as a general rule, sit down to a family meal, those kids do better in school. They have better communication skills. They're less likely to abuse illegal substances. they have better social skills. Why wouldn't you want that for your kids? And the memories and the fun you have in the process is not only wonderful for you, but you're teaching the kids how to make that experience for their families and, and follow traditions. So once the, the, their friends started saying, please help my parents, this is wonderful, that light bulb went off and a new profession was born for me.
0: Wow. Yeah. You just hit on a subject that I was going to mention. I mean, I've had a dining table for years, and it became the unopened mail stack a pile of mail (laughs) for years when I was married I'm no longer married but it was like I wanted to ask you like how can you get the family around the table and enjoy great game and meals and or meals and you actually do have on your website table talk and recipes which is awesome for me, being in a household of three fourths are Meditarians, I am a vegan. I <laughs> am mm-hmm. the I'm the uh the sore thumb that sticks out on anything because literally everything has to be separated. I have to cook my meals first. And then their meals have to be cooked. You know, I am definitely not no Martha Stewart. I And I just want to jokingly say, who is Martha Stewart?
1: Because it's like... I'm the anti-Martha Stewart. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you something. So I'm a pescatarian. I don't eat meat, but my family does. So I understand that concept of making different meals for your family. But there are things you can do where the base of your meal is the base of their meal. Yeah. And the only thing you're changing may be the protein that you're putting on Exactly. Yes. And so you don't have to be... Spending the day in the kitchen, making multiple meals for everybody. There is a way to, to do um, making meals for different taste buds, different taste requirements, different food requirements.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Because I know I've um, speaking of traditions and doing the cookbook thing, and I think you even said on the, on the video you don't do any type of measuring. You just go by what's in front of you, what's in this in your refrigerator, freezer, etc and identifying that you should just have the staples there and i've had multiple (laughs) leftovers and i've created five-star restaurant dishes like but that took a process because i mean coming from a low-income foundation um, i have created things that could go from trash (laughs) to (laughs) five-star so i completely understand when you were talking with wendy about some of the things that you just have to like have as a staple and then like you said just just be creative and i've learned at a very young age i was 18 when i became a mom and being brought up in a single family home you had to wing it you know you find something in that refrigerator that's going to work and that's exactly how i my mental processing was in regards to cooking and it's so crazy because one of the things that i've learned from my abuela was the traditional mexican pata arroz con doles I remember her doing exactly frying the rice before any other types of ingredients go in there dealing with the paste of tomato paste and then the seasoning and the onions and all of that. But to use type of type of animal stock. And I'm like, uh, no, that's not going to happen in my house. You know? So I had to find ways to tweak my things, but it turned out fantastic. And you're right. As long as you have the base of things. Um, Another thing is my mother taught me was, I, keeps, I always get this wrong. Chicken cacciatore mm-hmm. was my was an all-time favorite for our, our lasagna. Is an all-time favorite for our family. And chicken cacciatore, of course, consisting of chicken. <laughs> but the basis mm-hmm. is, is um you know, the basil and the, you know, all the other types of spices. And I love olives. I cannot stay away from Kalamata olives. They have to mm-hmm. be my dish. But the point is, is that you are correct in regards to that. I just wanted to kind of point out that the different types of sensitivities that I, I think it was one of the things that you, Wendy was saying is like, I use as a vegan, I substitute soy sauce with Brog's liquid mm-hmm. amino.
1: Absolutely. Or coconut aminos you can use as a
0: substitute. Mm -hmm. or shiitake mushrooms Yep. so i was just like if she ever comes back to you and asks what it you know what's another way just tell jasmine i (laughs) I said i got some got some pointers for you because i've i've been there done that i it's like literally one of my other staples that i have on there and um uh so i just oh i'm just getting so wound up into this i I just have so much, yeah, food is like my life. And if you're in a particular, being in a Latina culture or any type of culture that's based with food as a traditional um, way of life. And it's the love that um, we find ways to start conversations with and learn about your family history or your the traditional backgrounds of your your ancestors. It's just such a beautiful thing because food has is a universal um, ice breaking conversation, and the way you identified it on your website is just like just like that. And you being a pescatarian, I was a pescatarian for four years prior to me being vegan, so I completely get it. <laughs> <laughs> so another question is: which celebrity chef would you most like to fix you a meal if you ever had the chance to do that?
1: To fix me a meal? (laughs) Yeah. I can't identify somebody who would make me the food that I might necessarily want, but I can identify somebody who I'd like to cook alongside with. Hmm. And that would have to be Ina Garten. And I say that because I've, I've seen her in person. I've seen her speak before. And she's very down to earth. And she's very relaxed. And she loves to make people feel welcome in her home. And her food is delicious. And you can always learn tips and tricks from her. And I do, when I cook for my family, for my friends, for clients, I always tell them my secret ingredient is love. And Mm -hmm. I've taught my kids that because, you know, I teach my kids to cook at a very young age as well. And I always say to them, what was the secret ingredient in this dish? And they say love. And when I watch Ina Garten cook, I think she puts that in her food as well. And Uh so I identify with her style. So I'd like to cook with her.
0: That is so beautiful. Yeah. My sons always come up to me like, oh, my gosh, why is this? plain?" You know, it could be a plain pot of rice. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it is so good. What did you put in it? Some TLC. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> you know? exactly. Is it an and it's really true, though. It's really true. <laughs> and I think if, if you're frustrated when you cook or you're harried or you're pressed for time, you could have great ingredients and great technique, but something's going to be off in that meal. Oh, for
0: sure. For sure. And uh, in regards to meal or uh, a particular type of cake or pie, I love to ask people who are. I'm a pie person. Your pie (laughs) will be the favorite pie.
1: I don't really have one. Um, I like mixed berry pies. I like key lime pie. If you know, I'm not going to the the traditional fruit uh, way, but um, it just seems earthier to me. I'm not into the fancy cakes, but a, a pie put a scoop of ice cream on it. I think it's
0: fabulous. Oh yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I'm a pie person because when I make pies, it's like, it's, it has a, an extra heaping scoop of love in there because it takes more time and dedication and time and and patience because you, I start from the crust and all the fixings like marinating and letting it sit overnight and, you know, making the crust, you have to make a, as a substitute, because I have to have a vegan cake. Um, Mm -hmm. Like speaking of, because the holidays are coming up around this year, my favorite ones are making black bean pie or, um, you know, making a vegan pumpkin pies. I literally have to make two servings of the pumpkin pies because they're always gone. I'm like, (laughs) I made one specifically, my vegan one's gone. So I'm just going to make two of everything. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess in regards to cooking and all, this might not be the answer that I'm looking for, but it it might might be. So what is your favorite smell in the whole world?
1: Um, My favorite smell is not a food smell. Ah. I can give you a favorite smell of food, but my favorites. I have two favorite smells. One is the smell of tar, which sounds a little weird. Mm. But my um, family's in the construction business, in the commercial roofing business. And when I was little, I would go to jobs with my dad and I would smell the tar. And so every time I smell it, it reminds me of my father. And my other favorite smell would be lilacs because my mother loves lilacs when they bloom in the spring. Oh, yeah. And we used to go around cutting um, lilac branches and putting them all over the house. So those are two fr- smells that remind me of my parents that I just love. But when it comes to cooking smells, nothing beats the smell of garlic and onions. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. I can
0: never get enough of our garlic. People, are, my sons are like, um, are you done scooping in the garlic? And like, don't worry, I don't, less. I'm a check, um, you know, there's no vampires that are coming in, you know, 10 feet from my, this house. I've done a sure. good job with that. Garlic. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What's your favorite thing about one of your
1: grandparents? Oh, no.
0: um, that's an easy one, actually.
1: So I'd have to say it would be my grandma Sibby. And like I said, my father emigrated over from Poland in the same town when my grandmother was born. There it was Russia. So it was one of those fiddler on the roof villages. Oh, yes, And she was kind of like she hates when I say this or she hated when I said it. But she was like the village witch doctor. She wasn't a witch doctor, but she used herbs and healing because everything was very primitive. Mm-hmm. And she was a very independent woman. And she was the one who made sure that my dad's family could come to this country safely. And when she came here, she was a hard worker and she worked in factories and, you know, just did everything. But it was her grit and her determination to give her family a better life and to be a strong and independent woman. And when she came to this country, she wanted to learn the ways that we have here. And she understands she understood how different her life was from what it was here. Mm -hmm. And she always shared those stories with us. And Helped us visualize what life was like, which was such an incredible thing to hear growing up. But at the same time, she tried to adapt to being here. And what a role model growing up, watching somebody back then being as independent and confident in herself to do what she accomplished. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: That is just a blessing to have such a wonderful, strong woman in your ancestry tree, your your history. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. So, um, like I mentioned, I am that balabusta, um, but I believe that I speak a lot of, um, you know, some probably some other listeners. It is exhausting. And I have I myself have a crazy, crazy schedule. I mean, measly old ramen noodles, you know, which is not really good at all. Um, what is a sliver
1: of your secret? One thing is called batch cooking. Have you heard the term? Yes. Okay. So for maybe your audience is not familiar with it. And mm-hmm. it means making more of a particular ingredient or a particular dish than you're going to need at any one given meal. So I like to have fried, I'd like to give rice as an example. So let's say I'm making rice to go with an Indian dish I'm making something. I'll make twice as much rice as I need. Mm-hmm. The leftover rice I keep for another day or two. And then I'll turn it into a fried rice with maybe shrimp or you can make it with roasted tofu, miso tofu or something, but you need day old rice to make a good fried rice. So instead of making rice every dime, make more of it. It'll stay in your refrigerator and that's a really good thing. Um, for people who are meat eaters, if you're going to make a, a roasted chicken or even a, a fish, make more of it and then you can put it in something else and repurpose it for another meal. And I know a lot of people have families have kids who don't like to eat leftovers. So you don't want to be making things from scratch every night, but if you can repurpose how you make it for the next night, your base is already done and you're saving yourself a ton of time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I myself has a, uh, Hardcore picky eater, and then I have another one that's like, I don't do leftovers. So I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? So, yeah. I mean, you even have awesome sessions where you break down the ease for balabustas, i.e., you know, the meal planning, personalized kitchen confidence building packages to get your kids talking, themed and personalized table talk conversation starters. I myself, I have a sensory processing disordered child. So they have a difficulty dealing with textures, taste, and smells of particular food. Um, have you ever dealt with something like that with any of your current or prospective
1: clients? My my daughter um, has a, a touch issue sometimes. Like She doesn't like the big forks. She only likes the small forks. You know, not a food necessary issue, but I'll call them quirks. They all have their own quirks. So a lot of times that when... She was first trying new foods and now she she's a good eater, but she wasn't always a lot of times I have um, I enroll my kids in the cooking or the meal planning. And it's a really good thing for picky eaters because you can go to a farmer's market or a grocery store and you could be in the let's say the vegetable department and you say, let's pick out something that we've never had before. You pick it out Mm -hmm. and then maybe you'll help me look for recipes and then maybe you'll help me like pick out the seasonings for the recipe or do something. And as you engage your children in the process, they're more likely to try it and hopefully like it because they have skin in the game. So if you give them a voice, they appreciate that. And they're a little bit more apt to um, try things. Another thing you can do, if you know they have certain food sensitivities or certain food aversions, but you're going to be cooking with something like that, try to separate the food on on their plate. So it's not touching. And then you could always have a rule that you have to try it once, Mm -hmm. you know, and then maybe I'll I'll see what I can do about it. But one of the things that I do for people who have picky eater kids, and I do this with my family, too, who is not no longer picky eaters. I say, I've just made something I've never made it before. Is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? If it's a thumbs down, I say, well, what could I do differently next time? So it would be better. Now I'm not saying I'm never gonna make it again and you never have to eat it again. I'm already making them starting to think, okay, I'm gonna get it again, but what could I do so it's gonna be good for me? And again, you're enrolling them in the process, in the thought process, to some extent, the cooking process. And next time, if you show that you tried the way that they suggested it, you know, obviously adding your touch and your knowledge. they may like it a little bit better. And it's a good way to step up your um, kid's palate.
0: Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we've graduated from having chicken nuggets and french fries on a daily basis from McDonald's, which I just could not stand. So I, I did a similar thing where I had him involved in the shopping and I had him in part of the cooking. He actually started doing the measuring for him to understand mathematics and know and, and yeah. about the different types of tremendous skills. Right. Right. So, you know, him being in fourth grade, this is very crucial for him. And uh, I will find a way not to do that. I mean, if I but, gotta... but you know you could also
1: say, let's try to make this at home. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, then you could buy the chicken, you know, start off with chicken tenders, which will cook in seconds and put some panko on it or whatever you're going to do and make it a healthy way and still let him think that it's, chicken nuggets and you're already developing a better habit for him.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I did. And um, it worked out pretty well. So now, uh, unfortunately, I created another monster where he was like, mom, can we make those again? So I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, that's the curse of being sure. a success. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, I mean, can you hit on the subject just quickly about, because I know you mentioned in, in a couple of other year videos that, you have particular staples that are like almost like required to just kind of get listeners to understand that you can always create such beautiful dishes with small amount of effort if long as long as you have these particular staples in your home. What would
1: those be? I always have a variety of seasoning, spices, and herbs because they really can add that special wow factor to your meal and. They also allow you to substitute ingredients if you don't have them. So definitely spices. I always have um, different kinds of beans, garbanzo beans or chickpeas, depending on how you want to call them, are always in my cabinet. I like to make them from scratch, but you don't have to. There's nothing wrong with buying canned as long as you rinse them and get all the sodium and everything else that they're preserved in. Um, So I have beans. So you can always add that to something. You can have a variety of flours. At one point, um, my son was gluten intolerant. And so I used the rice flours, the chickpea flours, the almond flours. It, It changed my cooking because I needed to do that at the time. But it gave me variety. Have a couple of things for sauces or marinades. Make a pesto. You can freeze pesto really easily if you make a big batch. And just put a little olive oil on top before you put it in the freezer label it so you know what it is so you can find it at (laughs) another time so you have your pestos you can make your tomato sauces you can buy great simmer sauces Even out of a trader joe's they have great indian simmer sauces so you can make your tofu saute your tofu some ginger, some garlic and onions at a simmer sauce you could do it with chicken you could do it with turkey so there's many things you can do if you have those in your house like the other day it was it was running late so what am i going to do you know You can easily defrost uh, chicken tenders in under an hour. Just put them in a a bowl of cold water in their package. They'll be defrosted in no time. So if you forget to take it out the night before, it's a really good trick to know. And I took the chicken tenders and I chopped them and I put them in a pan. I sautéed it with a simmer sauce. Boom. In 10 minutes, that dinner was done. Ah. Then I made my side dish of rice. And in my my dish with my simmer sauce, I added spinach. Mm -hmm. You could add broccoli. And now it's a one pan meal. But I had those ingredients on hand. Right. I always have simmer sauces. I always have seasonings, different flavored oils, different like I have a toasted sesame oil always in case I want to make something with an Asian flair. I always have fish sauce. if I making an Asian flair? Always have garlic in my house. Always have onion in my house. Always have tomatoes fresh and not. Always fresh garlic. Um, your staples, your rice and potatoes. If you're, if you, you know, want to have those as part of your meal. So, if you have things, you have to know what you have, and you have to know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And the more you learn what you need and what your taste buds like, the more you'll fill your pantry and your refrigerator and freezer with things that you can readily use. So, when I usually work with clients, it's a, it's a, um, a process of learning about what their tastes are, how you can accent it a little bit more, how you can vary it. And that will dictate what you should be having in your pantry because my taste buds may not be your taste buds. Mm -hmm. But when I work with you, we figure out what your taste buds are, what your family's taste buds are, how you might want to grow them and how you can incorporate those different ingredients into endless, flavorful, easy meals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And I know, like I mentioned before, you have like awesome sessions that you break down these. And um, so like just quickly identify them again, Um, personalized kitchen confidence, building packages, how to get your kids talking, themed and personalized table talk, conversation starters, and so on. Now, how can a mom book your coaching sessions to rock your meals.
1: You can contact me on my website, which is Balaboostasecret.com. You can find me at Facebook on Facebook at BalabustaSecret. I also have a Facebook group, Easy Weeknight Dinners for Busy Moms. So sign up for that. You can always message me on Facebook through either one of those those places. I have an Instagram account, Balabusta.secret, and I have an offer for your listeners for uh, a free PDF called Quick Dinner Time Sanity Saving Tips. Nice. And if they sign up for that, they'll get on my newsletter and I will be in touch with them that way and they can reach out to me uh, in response.
0: Oh, for sure. Thank you so much. If you provide me all of those, I'll go ahead and put those in the show notes so then they can have that really available and reach out to you. So that's awesome. I'd love to. Uh, yes, absolutely. Did you like to uh, say something in closing for the listeners?
1: Sure. Don't be afraid of cooking. It doesn't have to be time consuming or elaborate to be delicious and welcoming and warm. You just have to learn the tricks and the uh, tips for making stress free meals made with fun, speed and ease and a whole lot of yum. So you're your worst critic. You hold yourself back the most. The worst that could happen is the food doesn't taste superb one time and it becomes a lesson experience for you to make it better next time. The world doesn't end, but you can make the world much better by trying.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Now, I know this is kind of like I'm going to throw this into this sprocket. Last minute thought, a question. Um, do you have a Yiddish proverb or quote you like to share?
1: A Yiddish one. Where is my grandmother when I need no. it? <laughs> Don't be a schmendrick, which means don't be a fool. Be confident in yourself and go forward. That's beautiful. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I just I'm going to put this in my notes. I'll just tell somebody that. Like I'll tell my children, you know, do They're like, "Don't be a And I'm like, they're like, "Mom, uh, are you okay? Do you need some rest? I know you've been up for a while." Like, "I am speaking perfectly well. What are you talking about?" Well, thank you so much again. Well, take care, hon. Um, I will keep in touch with you. And thank you so much. Fantastic. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Paloo Zion podcast. If you yourself is a small business owner, entrepreneur, musician, or artist, or liked what you heard, please share and follow. I am on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube or contact me at www.JasmineCastilloVoice.com and stay tuned for the next upcoming episode.